Last week, we began this sermon series by looking at the reality that there is no such thing as the ideal, picture-perfect family. Well, today, we're going to continue that thought by looking at something that is inevitable for each and every one of us. No matter what our family dynamics look like, it's, it's bound to happen. And sometimes it's going to be fast and furious and and it's going to be painful and then we're going to move on. And other times it comes from places that have been just kind of festering under the surface for quite some time, things that maybe we didn't deal with, and it can be devastating. Because the reality is, you know this, that sometimes in the family dynamics there are powerful emotions stirred up. Emotions that can leave us feeling angry, Sad, upset, disappointed. And if we don't keep those things in check, they can easily turn into World War III and all-out fights. Because whatever family you come from, you know you come from a family that can be really good at fighting. We kind of looked at that last week, right? We we looked at at the Bible and biblical families, and we quickly realized there's no such thing as the perfect ideal family. They all had family fights. And the same is true for each and every one of us here at Ascension or, or wherever you're watching us online concerning our own families. And because it's a reality, we have to talk about it. Because we all know how to fight in our families, it's a topic that we can't just ignore, we can't just downplay, because the family fight can be devastating. And God doesn't desire that for us at all. So as we begin this morning, there's going to be two big takeaways that I want to keep before your minds today. They come in the form of two questions. The first one is this. What is the root cause of the fights we have. And now we're going to specifically apply these things to our family, but but I would argue they actually apply to every and any relationship you find yourself in, okay? So what's the root cause of the fights we have? And maybe more importantly, number two, how are we to deal with those inevitable fights when they arise? What causes them? What should we do with them? And God answers both. In the section of his word today that we want to look at, we're going to look at uh, just a few short verses, but they pack such a powerful punch when dealing with the fights that arise in our families and beyond. And it comes from the book called James. Now, you know who James is? James was the half-brother of Jesus. James was one of the influential leaders in the early church there in Jerusalem. And James writes this book, which maybe is the most important thing to remember about James in this book. He writes this book, this letter, to Christians. He's not writing to unbelievers to, to tell them about Jesus so that they come to the faith. He's writing to people who already know Jesus, who already believe in him by faith through the power of the Spirit. And he's saying, if you're going to bear the name of Jesus, if you're going to claim that you're a Christian, Well, I'm going to give you five, six chapters here to tell you this is how you are to live if you say that you follow Jesus. And again, 
almost everything James says certainly applies to the family, but it applies to each and every one of us in every aspect of our lives if we follow Jesus. This is what he starts out and he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Basically, question number one, right? What is the root cause of the fights in your family? I dare you to look at the person you came with today, because a lot of you are here sitting next to your family and ask them that question. Ask them, hey, honey, hey, dear, what causes fights in our families? Hey, kids, what do you think? Hey, parents, what do you think? Now, don't really do that, okay? Because I'm afraid that World War III might break out. But I am dead serious. This week, here's one sign of a homework you can do this week. Do this. Get the family together. Get your spouse, if you still are at home with your kids, or even if you're not, get them up on FaceTime and just simply ask them, hey, what do you, what, everybody gets a turn. What do you think is the root cause of the fights and quarrels among us and our family? But I'll tell you what, I already know what the answer is going to be. Did you know that? I, I'm, I'm guessing that you already know what the answer is going to be as well. Whenever I do some form of counseling, particularly marriage counseling, but I try to do this in every kind of counseling I do, I always try to ask that question in some way, shape, or form, right? Okay, we're here, what's going on? What are the issues? What's causing the disconnect and the arguing and the fighting in your family? And you know what the answer is 100% of the time? I've never heard anything different. She is. And then when I look at her, well, what do you think is the source of this fighting in your marriage? You know what she almost always says? He is. Or if I'm, if I'm dealing with a parent-child dynamic, right? Well, what's the source of this? Well, it's, it's them. It's him. It's her. It's the kids. It's the parents. I think in 13 plus years of being a pastor and asking that question, I don't think I've heard anything different than they're the source. But if only he would listen to me and do what I told him to do, then I wouldn't be up over here mad at him and getting upset. Well, you know, if only she would stop getting on my case and nagging me all the time. I don't even know what you want anymore. It's her issue. Only the kids would listen. If only they would do what I want them to do, then I, I wouldn't have blown up at them and I wouldn't have yelled at them. If only you would have done that, if only she wouldn't have said that, if only they wouldn't have been that way, well, then I wouldn't have been mad and this whole argument, this whole fight would have never happened. see the problem, don't you? When James says, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you, it's almost like we're incapable. There's a part of us that just naturally, we go like this. We point the finger. It's my husband, it's my wife, 
It's my kids. It's my brother or sister. It's, it's my boss. It's, it's my pastor. It's those people in, in the pews. It, it's always somebody else, right? And so James is not kidding. He says, I want you to ask that question, and I want you to be honest. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And we quickly say, well, them, James, it's, it, it's their issue. And he says, not so fast. He goes on, and this is what he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight, and you do not have because you do not ask God. go back to the first question. What is the root cause of the fights in our families? Why do husbands and wives argue? Why do parents and kids sometimes butt heads? Why do siblings get into these rivalries that aren't always so playful and funny and they turn into full-blown fights? James says the problem is you. It's me. It's our desires, our wants, the things we perceive to be right, and and people better meet them or we're upset. And those that start in our heart, they often spill out and cover our families too and cause a lot of pain and grief and fights. What do I mean? Well, if you are married, why do you sometimes get mad at your spouse? Why do you sometimes get mad at him? Why do you sometimes get mad at her and and maybe a little tiff turns into a bigger deal? Is it many times because they're not doing what you want? They're not meeting your expectations of what you think they should be doing. They're somehow not doing what you want or letting you down. And so your natural response is anger? Or your kids? whether they're living in your home and you can still snuggle them or whether they're 25 and they got their own place, why do you sometimes get mad at your kids? Is it because they're, they're not doing it your way? They're not doing what you want them to do? I don't know about you, but as I think about my own kids, oftentimes when I get mad, they're, they're not doing anything that's sinful half the time. They're just not doing what I want them to do, and so then I get mad and the fight ensues. I think about it. That's why I said this week, really do this. Even if you just do it on your own, but do it as a family, think about these things through. How often don't we fight in our families because we didn't get what we wanted, we didn't get what we desired, somebody didn't meet our expectations, so what do we do, James says? We kill, we covet, we quarrel. And of course, he's not talking about literally killing anybody. You caught that, right? As we think about what Jesus said in our gospel reading, right? Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, Jesus says. And so you see the connection? You and I can murder, yes, murder a relationship with our words and actions. Or maybe lack thereof. 
You can murder your marriage with that word that was spoken harshly, with that word that you said that maybe you shouldn't have or that action you took. You can murder the relationship with your kids by kind of what we talked about last week, right? By being overbearing and harsh and critical and just pounding them into submission. You can murder that relationship after years and years of that. We can murder relationships with our words, our actions, and our demands that we often put on others, usually starting right in our own homes. And our weapon of choice, you know what the most deadliest weapon on the planet is, right? It's killed more people than anything else. It's your tongue. Right, that's what James goes on and says. I mean, in fact, in, in chapter 3, he kind of does most of that chapter talking about how deadly, how damning, how dangerous the human tongue is, right? James says the tongue is also a fire. Your tongue's a world of evil among the parts of the body. You know what it does? It corrupts. It can corrupt your whole body and set the whole course of one's life on fire. I often think about, right, we think about when there's wildfires every year in places like out west and how quickly they can spread and it's hard to stop. And even eventually when they burn out or the firefighters can stop it, it leaves scorched earth behind. James says, that's your tongue. If you're not careful, right? Then he goes on, it's set on fire by? By hell. That's where it comes from. And no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Do you understand what James is saying? Ultimately, what your, your God is reminding you of? I, I think you get it because all of us have experienced this. Right, a word, uh, you're in the middle of a conversation that seems to be going fine, and, and then all of a sudden, one of you says something that maybe wasn't the most loving, and, and then you respond in kind with maybe something that's not as loving either, and, and then it's like a tennis match back and forth, and, and you see who can lob the bigger, the bigger daggers, and a fight breaks out. Or maybe it's that email you sent, that text that you can't take back, that post on social media because you know what? You had the right answers. You have it all. And you hit send. And then you have to look at the raging fire that that caused. We know how this works because we've been on the receiving end and we've been on the giving end of, of the tongue that can kill. We all know this by painful truth because here's the deal, guys. There's been times where you were the one who sent that text or said that unloving thing to your spouse and you couldn't take it back. You're the one who, who maybe said those things to your kids that was less than loving and now there's some fallout. You're the one that shot off the email to that sibling, to that friend, to the pastor, to the parishioners, and now there's a strained relationship. Or maybe worse, it's been murdered. And so James says, if we're going to deal with the fight in the family, 
we have to answer question one, what is the root cause of the fights? And we have to be honest, and we have to say, I am. Because you know what? We'll never solve it. If you look at your spouse, if you look at your kids, if you look at anybody else and say, it's you, it's always you, you're the problem, well, guess what? Around and around you go, and you will never get off that bus. And so God says, own it. You're part of it. Now, that doesn't mean that that person maybe did nothing to you, but to say that they're always the problem is probably almost always inaccurate, right? God says, own it, repent of it, because you are part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. And so that leads us to question number two. If that's the reality, then we absolutely need question number two. How are we to deal with the inevitable family fights that arise in our homes? They're going to come. In fact, I would guarantee if I was a fly on the wall in all of your houses, some of you are here today and you are in the midst of some sort of battle with a spouse or your kids or a sibling or maybe beyond. How are we to deal with it? Right, James says that, that our fights often come from our own desires, our own wants, our, our own expectations. So let me ask you a question a different way as we deal with the inevitable family fights. Have you ever considered that maybe, just maybe, you are expecting way too much out of your spouse and kids? Have you ever considered that, that maybe the problems you have in your family, the fights that arise is because you are expecting, you are wanting, you are desiring, you are demanding that they fulfill all your wants and desires and needs. Right? Did you ever think about that? Because if you, you expect that, then what's naturally going to happen? Fights, disappointment, you know, one of the things I, I ask in pre-marriage counseling, and I started to do this in any form of counseling, not just pre-marriage, but I'll ask this question. Do you expect your spouse to meet all of your needs? How would you answer? I know how a lot of people do answer. Some say yes, but a majority of them said, well, no, not, not really. But here's the problem. We actually live as though we all answer that question at times with a big fat yes. Right, do you expect your spouse or your kids or your family to meet all of your needs? The problem is when we do, <laughs> we're putting a demand on them that they cannot fulfill and we will always, always, always be left disappointed, at times upset, and maybe in at times even angry and let the fights ensue. Because we're expecting them to do something that they can't do. Another thing I often ask in my counseling, and I think this is good whether you need counseling or not, is we do what's called an idle inventory. And simply put, this is what it is. It's a sheet of paper, and on it, it will have things like my spouse, my kids, food, alcohol, job, TV, entertainment, social media, Money, in other words, all the things that in and of itself are blessings from God, but that we oftentimes make an idol. We put in that number one spot. And, and I'll give this sheet out to people and I'll say, fill it out, and I want you to kind of a gut reaction. Don't overthink this, but go through, but be honest. And the 
Choices are, yes, it's, it's an idol, possibly it can trip me up, and sometimes no. And you know what the, always the top three are since I've started doing this? Almost like clockwork. They, they vary a little bit between husband or wife, but always in the three spots are these. Job, spouse, kids. Whether we realize it or not, you know what a lot of us do? And in fact, I'd probably say all of us, because I know I do, is sometimes we take these good things of God in our family and we put them on his throne. Whether we admit it or not, whether we realize it or not, right? If I expect my wife to meet all my needs, you know what I just did with her? I just took her and I said, Jesus, get over, and I set her there, and now I'm expecting her to do what only God can do. And so if you make your life all about your spouse and expect them to meet all your needs, or it's all about your kids, you put them in the God spot, and you are inevitably going to have fights and discouragement and letdown. Because they're not God. They can't meet all your needs. They can't fulfill, fulfill everything you need and desire, not the way God can. And so you know what James says? You know what God says in his word? You want to address the family fights in your home? <laughs> Look to me. You want somebody who's always going to be there for you in a way that even your spouse cannot do? God says, come to me first. You want somebody that's always going to love you, that's always going to listen to you and take your, your, your words and take them to heart you know by experience it won't always be your husband or wife or your kids, but, but God says, I'll do it. Right? You want somebody who, who's going to forgive you without holding the grudge, someone who's not going to keep records of your wrongs or say, yeah, I forgive you, but just so you know, this wasn't okay. God says, I don't play that way. I'm going to forgive you fully. So he says, look to me first. And if you want to navigate the family fights, which will come, Jesus says, turn to me. Let me stay in the throne of your heart, not your spouse, not your kids. They're special. Rejoice. Enjoy them. But, but let me be on the throne, and I will help you. I will help you to stay focused on me. Look to Jesus, because you know what Jesus is? Jesus is, is your loving God who died for your sins. Your spouse could never do that. Jesus is the one who came and, and loves you even though he knows everything about you, and despite your sins, he still loves you. Your kids will never love you that way as much as they do love you. He's the one who said, me first, Dad. I'll go, and I'll be plunged into hell itself and covered with their sin and all of their family fights so that I can heal and restore and forgive them when they do fight. Look to Jesus. See his great love for you because then you will be able to navigate the family life with compassion, forgiveness, patience, and joy as you see that that's how he's treated you. Right? If you want a good passage, I love this passage that Paul brings to us this morning. It's from Ephesians. Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Maybe starting today and this week, 
it's going to be a practice. You're going to have to work at this. You're going to need his help because this doesn't come naturally. But, but as you stand at the foot of the cross and you see just how much God was willing to forgive and wipe off your account, give that same forgiveness to your spouse. Even if they hurt you, even if they said something they shouldn't have, even if they've done something wrong, because you understand by the grace of God that you have done way more against your father that he forgave than that spouse could ever do against you. Forgive them. When you stand in awe of the forgiving love of Jesus, and then you look at your kids who who are being unruly and maybe a little disrespectful and, and disobedient, forgive them with no hoops to jump through and no strings attached because you know all the times that you were disobedient to your father, he forgave and said, come on home. And when you're faced with, with these things and it looks like World War III is going to break out, may God help you to stop, take a breath, run back to the cross, and see just how loving and forgiving your Father is so that you may show that love to your family and beyond. Because if you're going to do it, if you're going to stop the fights, it's got to start with Jesus' love for you. And I pray by God's grace you know that. You know his love. You know his cross. You know his empty tomb. All the things that he did to make you his own and and to write your name in the book of life. And he has loved and forgiven you. and, and, And so we do that too. Because that's a trait that runs in the family. We love because he first loved us. We forgive freely because he has first freely forgiven us. And so as you remember that truth this week and in the weeks ahead, may God help all of us be a part of a family that fights and argues less and loves and forgives more as we stand on Jesus and his forgiving love for us. Amen.